Welcome back to the Work Bold Podcast, where we chat with the leaders in commercial real estate to answer all questions of space as a service. This podcast is for anyone involved in commercial real estate in any way. If you're an investor, a fund manager, developer, property manager, agent, or broker, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I'm your host, Caleb Parker, and today I'm chatting with the Duke Long. And I'm excited about this episode because we get a little controversial. And if you've ever read anything Duke's ever written, you understand what I mean. So get ready to take notes because we cover a lot of ground. Duke shares the story behind his top 100 people in commercial real estate to follow on Twitter list. We find out what Duke thinks the new normal will be after lockdown. We have a passionate discussion about the negative pitching that's happening in commercial real estate during this pandemic, including on social media and in the press. You're going to hear what the office sector can learn from the events industry to entice people back to the office. Will remote work accelerate space as a service? And whether commercial real estate remains a stable investment in the future if the industry is flexible. And finally, once and for all, we find out who really invented the hashtag space as a service. If you have any questions or feedback on this episode, hit me up on social media. I'm at Caleb underscore Parker or email podcast at workbold.co. Now, before we get started, I just want to state the disclaimer that there are a few F-bombs in this episode after the first 15 minutes. But as we're all adults in commercial real estate, we decided to not censor. So let's get this party started. Welcome back to the Work Bold Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Parker. And today I'm thrilled to welcome commercial real estate broker, owner, manager, investor, entrepreneur-in-residence for the National Association of Realtors Global Reach Program, the always candid, outspoken, and never, ever shy, Mr. Duke Long. Duke, welcome to the Workable Podcast. Hey, what's up? What's up, Duke? Where are you sitting right now? I'm sitting on my big behind in the middle of the United States of America. That's where I'm sitting. In the very middle of the United States. Pretty much. Well, can you you say where? Indiana, actually. Indianapolis, Indiana. Indianapolis, Indiana, home of the of the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, and the Indianapolis 500 Speedway, where I actually yep, graduated pace. from high school, believe it or not. <laughs> Did so, you really? Yeah. Yes, that is a fact. That's a true fact. Home Amazing. of the spark plugs. That's a real thing. <laughs> the spark Everybody's plugs. like, what no, that can't be true. Now you can Google that. That's a true thing, I swear. So, yeah. So, Duke, you're one of the biggest social media influencers in commercial real estate. You've got 11,000 plus followers on Twitter. I think you have a LinkedIn group with over 10,000 people in it. Um, and I believe it's important for our community in commercial real estate to learn from each other, share best practice, push each other uh, to lean into the future. So I'm really impressed with your annual top 100 commercial real estate people you must follow on Twitter list. That's a long title. But the top 100 people on Twitter you must follow in commercial real estate. I'm just curious, what was your thinking behind putting that together? Well, um, way back, way back, I don't know, a decade ago or whenever when I started that thing, there was kind of no one really on Twitter in commercial real estate. So I initially kind of started it as a top, believe it or not, I think it was like top 37 or some weird thing because, again, there was no one on there. So my thinking was a little bit of, and I coined this phrase a little bit of build a tribe. So how can I put people out there that I was no, that I knew and had followed so other people could kind of connect in that way? And that was before LinkedIn was even kind of going a little bit and before Microsoft got a hold of them. So that was kind of the basis for it. And then the list kind of started growing and growing. And the list itself, I definitely look at every person on there and I make sure that they're active 
and they're in the community itself and they're tweeting, not every day, but they're continually putting some good content out. It's not like there's just somebody that, oh, I think they're great. And everybody that's on that list is involved in commercial real estate, mostly daily in every way. It's not just some random, I don't know, some pop star or something like that. So that was kind of my idea. It was build the tribe. And then it became its own unbelievable animal where I had people like, what does it take to get on the list? And do you have to pay to be on the list and all kinds of crazy stuff? Well, that's a good, that's a good, good point. Is there, is there um, a criteria on your list for, um, for this elite list of experts? Do they have no, to pay? None whatsoever. <laughs> I completely make it up. Is there an algorithm? <laughs> no, it's my brain. You know, if I'm drunk, good luck. I don't know. <laughs> You know, and everybody's like, well, is it all your friends? Is it not your friends? I mean, there are people on there that I have never met that I have no idea, but I think they're putting out great content. Do I try to, I mean, it was obviously very biased um, in the United States because I'm from the United States. And then it started to grow more globally as I met more people globally. Are you on the list right now, Caleb? I am ranked number seven right See, now. So I'm not sure how if that did you get? How did you nights. get there? Have you and I ever met? We have not. See, and how did you get on number seven? I'm going to take you off the list right now. That's I, was what I'm <laughs> I was just wondering. See, right now you're seven. off the list. So what, oh, how thanks. did you get on the list and now you're off the list? So but I'll you see what I'm you. saying? But I, obviously you're putting out really good content. Uh, you're putting out, I want to say positive stuff. You have a point of view and you have opinions and you kind of got my attention. And I'm like, okay, let's put this person at number seven. So there is no criteria other than you're interesting and you're putting some stuff out. Now, do I drop people up and down for any reason? No, I don't. I, I just don't. So um, is, it, is it a Duke's friendship cliche? That, no, it's not. So that was the only part of it. And again, it became its own weird little animal because of that. But in, in a good way, though, I think it's like I've had people literally say, look, I put that on my thing at work because I show my boss that I'm on this list and that I'm out there doing things and in the community i'm like wow i never really thought it would do that either which i thought was kind of strange but again the fact that caleb that you're on there and that you're out doing things like this that's fantastic and if that's all that's accomplished that's fine uh the other thing that has happened that a good friend of mine says look you got other people out there promoting you which that was not my intention at the beginning but if that's what's happened that's fine also so that was that was it from the beginning and i think again the first one was the top 37 because that's all the people i could find at that time well, I, th- I think, you know, for me, it's been an honor to be included in that. And, um, you know, even if it, you were just drunk one night, but <laughs> but um, I think more more importantly for me, it's it's been great to connect with people in the community. And I've learned a lot from the people um, that, that are in that list and um, it, it met new people that I never even knew about uh, across yeah. the globe. And yeah, I think there's been, um, I think a few people have put together on Twitter, uh, you know, you can put the, the Twitter list together. So they've put a list together. So you can just follow that list and it, and it connects you with all those people, which is fantastic. Yeah. That was the only reason. You know, there, again, you probably found three or four or five people like, wow, I had no idea. And exactly. That was it. Good for exactly. you. That was Thank all. You. If you took Thank the time, you. if you took the time to do that, fantastic. And, um, you know, I continue to do it. And does it get a bunch of hits on my site? Yeah, that's great. But that's, again, was never the intention. It was just build the tribe. And there you go. Well, there you go. Well, thank you for that. Um, if we switch gears a little bit, and uh, being the influencer you are, I'm very curious on your thoughts on this. Um, you know, there's been a lot of headlines lately 
uh, different headlines, but talking about the six-foot office or the office being dead or the co-working industry failing. And even big banks are talking about embracing remote work. What do you make of all this? Well, um, two answers, and I might contradict myself on this. First of all, the co-working part of it, before all this happened, I think was growing and growing and growing because I think people like myself were what I would call digital nomads because I could work from anywhere and I enjoyed that. As a matter of fact, I embraced that quite a bit. The fact that I could have my laptop and be in an airport or be anywhere and be somewhat productive. Uh, I would hang out at Club 75 there at Rock Center, um, which was owned by Convene, and sure. be very productive and have meetings and then go do whatever I need to do. I'm not an office person. I can't go be in that office. Having said that, being part of a team, being part of that environment, um, working with NAR, that is still a dynamic that that I enjoy. Um, we're not, even at the team at NAR, we're not together at, at, hardly at all, but I'm a human being and I need to have that, that inter, interaction and that connection. So like I said, I'm going to contradict myself. I think that people will still want to be in that interactive environment. Six feet apart or not six feet apart. I mean, I've been in some of the startup offices where they're, it's called benching, where you literally sit next to each other. Uh, mm -hmm. No one enjoys that at all, uh, other than you can walk back to the kitchen and grab some cereal, you know, or whatever, or a beer, because it's a startup place. Uh, is the office dead? I don't think the office is ever going to be dead. I think the co-working part of it or that interactive environment part of it was going to grow, grow no matter what. Um the remote work part of it, maybe this accelerates it uh, in a positive way, I think, hopefully. And I've seen, and you talk about some of the headlines, there are some companies like, look, we're not even going to go back to X type of office ever again. It just accelerated it. At the same time, there are other kinds of environments where I, I want to be in, in a team environment. I need that. I think it makes us more productive. Do I want to sit next to somebody eight hours a day every day? I've never been that. And there are just some of us that can't. At the same time, there are some people that need that all the time. So what is that? What is my answer to that? I don't know. And here's here, I'm gonna throw this to you because I know you're deep into this stuff. What do you think? Now I would be more interested to see what you think about it. <laughs> well, I've I've been sounding the the trumpet on remote work probably since 2011. Um, and I um, I'm a I've been a big fan. And I think um, you know every, anyone that knows me or has, has followed me, they've probably seen that already. Um, I, I don't. I don't think it's one way or the other. I think it's about giving people choice and trusting people and moving our workforce to a results-driven workforce, not just about FaceTime. And I don't mean Apple FaceTime. I mean face-to-face -face time. While that's important, that's not the KPI of successful companies. I think this, the KPI is, is productivity and results. And there you so, go. And so yeah. that, that happens um, differently for everyone. And, um, you know, on, on our first episode this season, Samantha McClary with uh, EG was talking about um, how the uh, productivity is tied to the, um, the emotional state that that person's in. And, uh, you know, we talk about lockdown timeframe that that could change from week to week. Um, when we get back to normal or the new normal, whatever that is, um, I, I believe that the future office strategy, if we talk about offices, uh, is a combination of um, a an office presence in some capacity, 
giving people the choice to, to work remotely, and that might mean from home. But there's some people who can't work from home because of children or whatever, and so it might mean working from a workspace close to home, but not commuting all the way into the head office. What do you think? Yeah, see, and if if I go into again, I mentioned convene or some kind of, I I'm the kind of person that thrives on that environment a little bit with a little little noise, a little chaos. Where I put in the headphones, I get productive, I get things done. You mentioned something interesting though, uh, the productivity and the accountability. You know, you can go into an office for six hours and basically do nothing, right, around everybody, sure. or you could be somewhere and actually get work done and be accountable for the work you got done. Does that make sense? Yeah. So well, I can be in an office and sit there and be on social media all day and watch videos and uh, check scores, right? Exactly. You know, what's, what's Liverpool doing today? And are they ever going to win the championship? See, there's an English reference right there. So it's like, um, it, it, you know, did I do anything really other than walk around and talk to people and waste their time? Or am I sitting in, a, you know, in a convened space somewhere and actually did something for four hours and walked out going, wow, I really got something done today. I'm way ahead here. So that has always been my mantra. And I've always felt like that was how I was more productive regardless. Um, and, and I think I thrive on that kind of stuff. I think that, and, th and I think they're, they're trying to say that's even been more proven for a lot of people. And maybe I'm skewing it that way because that's how I feel about it personally. Um, who, who wants to sit in a four by four cubicle? Nobody or a two by two or whatever that is. Nobody. I don't, I don't know. Not, not yeah. me. Not yeah. me. Yeah. And, and and like I said, I've been sort of sounding this trumpet for some time, but I think um, overnight companies had to roll out a remote working policy or um, figure out how to be productive working remotely. And I'm just curious, when we get back into the office, are people going to be rushing back into the office? And if people have, if we do move to results driven work and people have the choice of where they work, uh, I, I almost... So I've sort of straddled the commercial real estate and the events industry throughout my career. So I almost look at, look, look at offices like a live event. Right now, the events industry is suffering, and I think it will bounce back when we're able to relax social distancing. But when that happens, I, I almost ask the question, should we be looking at offices like a live event? Because a live event, an attendee of a live event goes to that live event for certain things. They could equally just sit at home and watch that event online, but they pay and go to that live event because of the feeling they get. Can we in the commercial real estate industry learn from that sec from that live event industry on how to create offices in a way that people choose to go into the office? Yeah, and so I, I agree with you very much. So many of the offices that I go to that are non-startup oriented offices, their space is so wasted so unused it, it is amazing to me you can tell the type of company that they are so that's an excellent point the startup companies maybe it's because it's generational or whatever they utilize their space so much better and you when you talk about event um i want to say event everything that they do it's it's it has a purpose every mm -hmm. space has a purpose some of the other companies there is no purpose for that space so i find that kind of fascinating and a lot of these companies and I'm thinking of a, of a company that was in a uh, space right next to Grand Central. Every space in that building, and they're repurposing that building, has a specific use, and it's very active. So, And it just comes to my mind. I can't think of the name of the building right off the top of my head. But you know, that, I agree with you. And, when I want, and when I talk about getting together with some of these teams, we're there to do a specific task. And if it's food, and we're having a snack, 
and it's a break and we're doing things. That's what we're there for. And we're productive and we're interacting. So I do enjoy that part of it. So I agree with you in, in a positive way, maybe. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Hopefully. So now I want to move into something that might might be a little bit controversial. But, you know, since that's kind of your brand, I would appreciate that. <laughs> oh, I can't believe I'm talking. <laughs> you wrote an article recently and, um, uh, you know, oh, just a, just a heads up here. We're going to probably drop some F-bombs maybe. But um, oh, no, you, you wrote an article titled, hey, CRE and tech, we're all fucked, but no one wants to admit it. I will. Then you go on a rant about how everyone's just pitching right now and either ignoring the bad situation we're in or they're stating what the effects of this pandemic will be on commercial real estate and how they're the solutions. What, what do you think the answer is? Well, what was happening and what I was noticing was that everyone was um, kind of absorbing all this information. It was an information overload. And I was looking on LinkedIn and, and Twitter and all these other things. And all of a sudden, all I saw was all these white dudes. You know, you scroll through LinkedIn, all of a sudden they were pitching, hey, Okay, it's the new normal, which that shit drove me crazy to hear that. <laughs> or it's the this and this. And here is exactly how I can fix your problem. And the way I'm going to fix your problem is come to me and I'll get you some more space. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me, right? That's how you're going to... We, we can't even leave our house, right? We can't leave our house. There's 30 million people in the United States. And I'm, again, being a little bit centric here for the United States. Out of work. How, how the fuck is, is that fixing a problem? You have no idea what's coming. You have no idea what's going on. And your, your go-to you know, default thing is, let's pitch it, let's go, let's be into sales mode. And that, it kind of drove me crazy a little bit. And they, they were just ignoring everything else that was going on. And I realized there's a little bit of the mentality of, look, it's always pitch and let's go. And I, I, part, part of my thing was, why don't you just stand up and say, look, I have no fucking idea what's going on. Be honest for once. You know, it's always the pitch mode, always the pitch mode. Um, what is the answer to that? How about honesty? How about having some integrity and saying, look, I have absolutely no idea. I, why don't you say, look, we are in trouble. We are trying to figure it out. We're hoping to look at Q4. Some of these people, oh, we're going to bounce back in two months. Really? Well, you got people that don't even have any money coming in to pay their rent this month. How are we going to bounce back in two months? Which, and I wrote this. Wouldn't that be great? And I'm cheering for you if we do. Th that's not even potentially realistic. So that was that was part of my problem. And, and no one was even standing up to admit it. And here was my other big thing. And I got a little bit of shit for this. And some guy said, oh, you're banging on all the white guys. I'm like, really? White guys don't need to take a little bit of shit for this? But it's <laughs> like, uh, you know, it's the same old white dude saying the same shit again. No matter what happens, they have an answer for it immediately. And it's just so much bullshit, you know, and I, 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 I and does that make me a saint because I'm the one that calls it out? No, I don't think so. So what is the answer? There is no answer. That was that was kind of the point of that whole thing. And I, so what do you think the answer is, Caleb? What is your answer to that? Well, I I mean, it, it's tough because we're in unprecedented times and, um, you know, it is a shit time for everybody. And I think I think that's one thing we all have in common. It, it's shit. Yeah, there are people that are going to be starving. Yeah, and that's yeah. and that's not overstating it. That's just factual. And your your biggest thing is, hey, come on, let's get in my class A office space down here off of Madison and and twenty third. Really, you know, we're we're talking about people not even going back to the office. And the, come on, let's go let's go with a triple net on a twenty year. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me, right? That that's your go to thing. 
So that was part of my, sorry, I'm going back to it again. So again, you were saying? Well, I think, I think it's important for, for everyone to, to, for us to um, have compassion and empathy with, with everyone's situation because it's different for, for each person. Um, I'm, I'm comfortable with people being solution led and, and looking for solutions. I think there's a lot of headlines right now that are more knee jerk or they're more trying to get PR. Um, you know, I've talked about this before and, um, I'm not exactly happy with that, but, um, to go out and look for solutions is, is certainly important now to deliver that, the idea of that solution, because it's a, it's a theory, right? We, we, it's this a theory until we're able to get thing, put things in practice, um, to sort of, to pitch it and be in pitch mode. Um, I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, we shouldn't be doing that so much. Um, we, we need to, again, have compassion. But yeah, and I maybe, think, the solution was, wait a minute, you're not going to be able to pay your rent. Let's figure this out. You know, let's figure out how to do it. Me and on, I've seen some of that. So please continue. Well, uh, and that's the thing. So, um, and, th and this is where, you know, this might be a little bit controversial as well, but I sort of take the view, it, it, particularly in the United States, we've had this um, this trickle down economic um, theory that a, theory. a lot of people a lot of people buy into, and um, and and I've tend to have bought into that theory um, most of my life. In general, it's the way capitalism should be working. Um, however, um, in crisis mode, I think everything gets thrown out the window, and you have to really figure out how to survive. And I think more of a, 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 a and, and I'm not an expert by any means, but more of a trickle up. Uh, economics policy. Let's make sure that the people that have money um, can or are are the ones bearing the, a lot of the responsibility, and the people who are suffering, sort of on the low end of the totem pole, are, aren't suffering, and they they get the help they need. And so when I when I say that in real estate, I mean the 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 the, the banks, the the money has money by definition. Then you've got the landlords who um, come down next, and and the building owners which have a lot of debt. That they have to serve and pay, and they account on rent. But then the companies need to pay the rent. They can't because their business is suffering, and then the people aren't working in the space. So it's sort of if we think about trickle up, we need to look down below and then help everybody from below up, not down top down. In my in Indeed. my view, that that was my point. You know, that was kind of the basis of the point. You know, it's like there there's not that solution. They weren't. It was like okay, let's just go back to the default pitch. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And I was a little bit offended by that. You know, it's like, okay, we can just still kind of continually do X. And that was not a solution. First of all, they didn't understand the problem. If they're what, they're, how do you even know what the problem is yet? First, and I don't want to get morbid about the situation when they're unfortunately putting people in, I don't want to say that, but you know, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So, and it was, it was consistent too. And I, when I wrote it, I was scrolling through and it was li literally every other thing. And I could probably do it right now. I could pull up LinkedIn and there'll be videos of some old white bald dude sticking his face on the video camera every five minutes. And I was like, good Lord, you know, totally clueless. Like, okay, all right. Uh, okay. I've, I've been through this before. I've got it figured out. This happened 12 years ago. I know what to do. Let's go again. You know, I'm like, no, this is, this is a lot different than the last one. And that's what I wrote about, you know? Yeah. There are some similarities, but completely different. So I don't and, know. And, and I think a lot of, what's being talked about today um, as, as a solution, again, is theory, because um, 
We don't know how long this pandemic is going to last. We don't know when a vaccine is going to be here. And when we do have a vaccine and, and when um, when we can start going, relaxing social distancing, not wearing masks, et cetera, are we going to go back to, to normal? And what does that normal look like? Uh, maybe that's called the new, new, new normal. I don't know. But um, because according to, to Cornet, uh, they did a survey recently and 69 percent of corporate real estate professionals said their company is going to take less real estate um, now that they spent all this time working remotely and, and being productive. So, you know, what's going to happen to all the space that's left empty? Oh, dude, you know what? I'm going to be honest here. I have no fucking clue. How's that for a, <laughs> how's that for an answer? <laughs> See, didn't we just talk about, hey, I, you know, I've got it all figured out. Yeah. But what is going to happen to all that empty space? You know, are we going to turn it into retail? What about that? No. You know, are we going to turn it? What What is going to happen to it? So is it going to turn into residential? There was talk about that even before this stuff happened. So residential what? And who can afford to pay the residential what? I do think, again, there's a, there are environments that we need to be able to function in. Is it an office environment? Is it a different type of office environment? Is it more spread out? Is it in a positive way more spread out? Uh, and what are you willing to pay for that? For And it's not a utopia thing. For what you and I have kind of talked about, where you, some of those teams and people can get together and interact and do some of those positive things. I think some of those types of spaces, maybe we were getting there with the co-working stuff in some of those environments in a positive way, very productive type of environments compared to what they were before. But when you say, okay, 69% of those, they don't want to go back. They don't want to go back to what it was. That's what they're saying, in my opinion, and I agree with that. And as I've stated before, I never wanted to be there in the first place. So I think that's a very positive thing. And that 20-year lease, that's gone, way gone. That 15, that triple net thing, that stuff. And, and I think somewhere I read, and again, I don't want to misquote, where the banks are like, we're never going back to that stuff again. And, and is that not a positive thing? They're like, nope. Um, and I, and I, want, I don't want to misquote either. I think, was it Twitter that said... Yep. That I was there, about to mention that. Nobody, nobody has to come to the office ever again. Ever. Which is ever. I don't know if you've been to Twitter's office, but in San Francisco, it's it's a little bit of a jaunt just to get down there in the first place. But that's another personal thing. Uh, you got to jump over a bunch of people just to get through their door. So, you know, what is that? What is that then? And then it's so expensive just even to live out there. So I don't know. And here we go back again. What do you think about it? That's why I love talking to you about this stuff because I know you're deep in it. I appreciate the I appreciate the two way conversation. What? Um, <laughs> um, you know, I was I was actually having a a, a discussion last night on Twitter about this because someone um, had had tweeted out. It's going to be so interesting watching this unfold. Talking about Twitter, Twitter won't be the only ones, and flexibility is great. But then he, he contradicted himself. But I still think large numbers want to work in an office environment. And to my to my reply was, you know, no, no one wants to work in an office environment. People want to be successful. Companies want to be successful. People want to be inspired. They want to create. They want to collaborate. The environment to support those things is where people will end up choosing to work. And so I think it's a big question for commercial real estate to ask. How do we create environments that enable people to be productive and successful. Yeah, I, I think I read something also where Apple is like very much encouraging their people to come back. Of course, they built that big spaceship thing out there in California. They feel like they built the environment for all of the things you just talked about. 
very much so that they are going to be productive and they feel like that's what helps their company compete and be competitive and stay in front. So they're like, why would you not want to come here? And um, maybe so I have no, I have not seen it yet. I certainly would like to. So maybe they feel that is a competitive advantage, that environment that they've created out there. Well, you, do you need to call it an office? Maybe you can call it something else, you know, as opposed to, you know, some big monster monstrosity off of like third Avenue and whatever in New York. Um, that's a, that's a completely different environment, obviously. Well, and in, in historically occupiers, big tenants, the, the, what we call customers today were responsible for creating that environment. But, you know, with, with, um, with the success and the demand that's being, that's been recognized by, by WeWork and, and others in our industry, um, the demand for the, that environment to be delivered to them as a service versus it being their responsibility to create um, is, is only growing. And so I think commercial real estate has to ask how, how can they deliver that best to serve that demand, which will, which I believe will come back outside of this p pandemic on the backside and oh. uh, with rocket boosters. Well, so, I agree very much so. So in, in that respect, um, if, if we were going to see, commercial real estate move and, and shift where historically commercial real estate was basically a stable and predictable investment. Um, do you think that's going to change? No, I do not. I do not. Why? Why, why would, why would it change? What do you, what makes it change? I'll, I, I hate to answer a question with a question that shit drives me crazy, but I'm going to ask you that. Well, what, why, why would it change? So if, if historically the value of commercial real estate was was based on tenants signing long leases, which is a predictable income. If flexibility comes in and the income goes up and down on a daily, weekly, monthly, annual basis, um, subject to the services you're delivering within that piece of real estate, then surely it becomes a little bit more volatile um, than predictable. Okay, that part I agree with, but I also think um, a little bit of, and again, my experience, like being in convened spaces and other things, the people who can, and again, space as a service, be better at that. I still think it's a great investment because you're going to have to provide that quality space. I still think it's a great investment. We still need to occupy spaces. We still need to, all these things we've talked about, collaborate, work within, you know, occupy. I love you, you know, how the English do the occupier thing. So I still think it's a very stable thing. We are not, we're, we're going to stand out in the rain and work. What, you know, I just, I, so having said that, some of these environments are always going to be not as good or not as quality of. And what I think, uh, this is a very generic thing to say, all commercial real estate has a usable life of 32 years. We know that's not realistic because we have buildings in New York that basically have been standing for a hundred, a hundred years or something like that. Mm -hmm. So a usual life. Some of the buildings is, in London. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Thank you very, and I have been there and they're gorgeous by the way, in a weird way. London is the most weird, has the most beautiful buildings and next to it will have the most brutalist, ugliest building I've ever seen. But so that's the point. I think it'll always, it is maybe not as predictable, but maybe even more predictable because I think the building itself. Yeah. So you don't have a 20 year net net big deal. Maybe you'll be able to do better with it. That's what I think. I think it'll be even more dynamic. The, the marketplace will become more tradable and more positive. That's how I look at it. Maybe more opportunistic. 
So I don't think it's negative at all. Maybe this accelerates it to a, a more positive thing. So maybe I'm looking at this as the, uh, the half full thing. Well, I'm, I'm a big fan of that, uh, that, that optimistic thinking. What, yeah. what questions then would you suggest commercial real estate investors be asking right now to prepare their portfolios for the future? So um, this is a, a little bit generic way to look at it, but, and I always think about the value chain. And when I say the value chain, you got to think about where you sit in the value chain of commercial real estate. And let me explain that kind of quickly. But if you are a hotel, where are you in the value chain of, of the experience? Okay, someone is going to go on vacation. You're that end user for them, right? You're the, at that destination of. Now, right now, if you're in the hotel business, it's not pretty, right? You're in a if you're if you own a portfolio hotels, like the the chairman of Marriott was basically almost in tears when he was the last time I saw him. He's like, we're in trouble, and God bless him for being very honest about it. Where if you're prologis right now, mm. uh, you're in a, if you're in the value chain of of industrial and warehousing, you're in great shape. So. That's how I think about it. where are you in the value chain and, and where's your portfolio sitting? That's how you need to think about it. Is it, is it logistics? Is it transportation? Is it uh, travel? Is it, is it retail? Would you like to be in hotel and retail right now? What are you going to do with that? Um, if, how about office? Would that, and you and I have talked a lot about office right now. You know, wh where are you in the value chain? So that's how I think about that part of it. So again, for the two-way conversation, what do you think? Well, I think if we if we focus in on office, because this podcast is about space as a service and, and the office sector, um, so I would be, I would say I'm not an expert in logistics or transportation um, or retail, but um, that's a good question. And I think, I think we need to be asking questions, what do people want? And I don't mean companies, but what, what do people, what do employees want? And we go back to the conversation about what makes people successful and productive and people want to create. Um, and I think we need to be in commercial real estate, we need to be asking how do we create environments that people will choose because they're going to have a choice. And if it's no longer a CFO signing, making a decision strictly based on on numbers for a 10 or 20 year period and if people can choose to go here and there based on the service that's being delivered well how do you deliver that service yeah but was that not true before all this stuff hit very much so before I, well it was moving in that direction and and the movement towards space as a service um i mean if, if you talk about the overall um office sector it was less than 10 percent yeah of the, of the of the office sector so um will, will this it, it's the future i think and how fast it moves into the you know it, it comes on i think is gonna it's gonna go faster now that we, we've had this global remote work experiment but we need to be asking ourselves to future proof our portfolios i believe uh safety what do people want they want to feel safe and they want to be productive and i think we need to in the short term the next 12 to 18 months till we have a vaccine make sure we get safety right. Uh, but in the long term, uh, when people forget about coronavirus, because we don't think about, oh my God, I'm, I'm gonna get polio if I go on the public transportation. But right now we think about that with coronavirus. In the future, when coronavirus is behind us, we still have the human 
feeling that we get when we go into an, an environment that we, that we need and how do we create that? Well, and the other thing I think about, and, and for some reason, when you talk about this, I keep thinking about London. I don't know what it is. I keep thinking about London. <laughs> My accent. <laughs> but, but, uh, but also, here's what I, when, when you bring all these things up, will these portfolio owners have a choice? Did they have a choice before? You and I didn't think so. Maybe they thought so. Will they have a choice? Because how are they going to draw these people in? You said, well, they didn't have a choice before. Now that people do have a choice, which I kind of like, because the companies are like, you don't have to go. I kind of like that, don't you think? You know, I mean, yep. because again, I lived in the environment where I didn't have to. The people that, I hate this word, but employed me, I'm not, I'm not employable, but the people that I worked with, you know, they didn't, I didn't have to go be, I didn't have to sit somewhere. Um, you know, I, there are certain places I needed to be, which was, necessary. But what now when an entire company like Twitter or whomever says you don't have to be anywhere, that's interesting. That's really interesting. And and again, maybe it's accelerated. And I, I think I wrote something, I don't know, a year or two ago where it, it, yeah, maybe it was only 10%, maybe in the next X years, it was going to be 30%. What if it becomes 30% in the next year or two? See? So maybe it's accelerated in a positive way, in a very sure. positive way. I like that, you know, and, and again, I, I think about these buildings, some of these buildings I've been in where these companies were literally space was just dead space, just dead space. And I was like, I can't believe it's just, it's just dead. So were these building owners just sitting there waiting and hoping and just, yes, I'm going to get lucky and some law firm is going to come by and give me a 20 year triple net. And it was just never going to happen. It was just never going to happen because nobody wanted to work that way. So that was an excellent point. So I say, I'm asking really good questions, am I not? <laughs> You're asking great questions. Well, Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that, Caleb. I, I know what my job is. Well, it's, it's interesting when, um, when people have the choice to, to work from the head office, which might be in a city center somewhere, or, or work from home or work close to home. Um, if you go back to before the pandemic, people, people when they had that choice, uh, often they were choosing to work in a coffee shop or a hotel lobby, or um, in, in, in some cases, a, a co-working location. Um, so if we look at those experiences and the environments that people were choosing to work in before, um, you know, obviously subject to coronavirus safety measures and everything over the next, until the vaccine comes. But if we project into the future, um, those, what about those environments attracted people? And that's what we need to be studying in commercial real estate, in, in my opinion. Um, but um, if we move to this next question, I'm I'm just I'm curious, as 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 you are the, um, can I call you the Godfather? <laughs> oh yeah, questions. I I go, <laughs> you know I go through phases where it pisses me off and then it doesn't piss me off because the Godfather two connotations, you know I'm an old dude, which I am an old dude, but you know that came along as a joke ish because of the startups because. As David Eisenberg, he's like, they got to come and kiss the ring of the Godfather or whatever. So it's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it right now. All know, right. Well, in a good well, way. Well, well, Godfather, I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse here. All right. <laughs> um, who, who in commercial real estate do you think people should be tuning into right now for examples of leadership during this crisis? I've seen some examples of leadership that are hard to miss when, um, you know, like, I get calls from some people that when I say show leadership, 
you know, and you you mentioned compassion and some other things. You see some of these companies that like, okay, we're going to take all your money and all your checks, or okay, we're we're definitely going to, you know, we're going to make sure that everybody stays employed and things like this. So, who who are those people that may I want to put it this way? Who are the people that you're noticing that are making sure? that everyone is going to get taken care of. Everyone is going to try to keep together. When everything's hitting the fan, right? Somebody wants to sue somebody for $3 billion, right? Just for themselves. Is that leadership? They're not trying to get money for everyone. They're just trying to get money for themselves. You see what I'm saying? So that stuff is not hard to see. And that's kind of sad, unfortunately. So I don't really know if I have any anyone specific that I want to name. But I would say just kind of keep looking out for who the, who those people really are. And it's easy for them to say, we love diversity. We love this and that and the other. What are their actions? And as I do get older and I am the godfather, it's sure as shit easy to see. And it's pathetic. And I, that's one thing that I do enjoy is calling people out when they're not. Uh, I am in a position where uh, I'm not going to get fired. I'm not going to lose my buildings or my whatever. So uh, I do get to call them out. Well, I think, you know, that's certainly um, uh, appreciate that, you know, your perspective on that. And, you know, you asked who, who I, who I think, and, you know, I certainly agree that compassion um, in is, is important. Uh, I mean, just a few people that come to mind for me is, is, um, you know, we just did the uh, podcast with Samantha McClary with EG and uh, the way she's leading her team in this remote uh, period and, and her perspective on not taking knee jerk reactions um, is certainly important. And she's not an old white dude. I can tell you that. And I, I might, you might get me for these next couple cause they might be all white dudes. I know, you know, one is a young white dude, but, um, Ryan Simonetti, the CEO of convene. Oh, I love Ryan, by the way, he's my boy. So yeah. I'm giving a shout out. I do hang out at his places. So I, I think he, he's been, he's been great. It, he's, um, a, he's a good dude, man. He is. And is his leadership during this crisis, um, you know, we were texting just a couple weeks ago and his leadership in this crisis is, is, is impressive, is phenomenal. I mean, he doesn't want to hear that, I'm sure, but um, it's just, um, I, I've looked up to the way he's handled his team, um, the way he's approached um, uh, communication with, with very much honesty and, and he's, put his, his heart out there on his sleeve. He's been very vulnerable. And then, um, you know, Mark Rose, the chief executive for Avis and Young, he's ta- he's very much concerned about his his team's well-being. And while everybody's talking about rushing back to the office as soon as possible, he's making sure everybody doesn't feel pressured to do that and they can choose to stay working remotely if they need to. So I think that's a, that's a good sign of leadership, looking after your team. Yeah. Um, so if we close this sort of round of questions out with this final one. Um, it's a bit of a softball question for you, but you know, in our very first episode of this podcast, um, we had our mutual friend Anthony Slimmers on talking about the trillion dollar hashtag space as a service. And there's been this for a long time, a debate on who invented that term, either you know Anthony or Dulong. So I asked Anthony in that episode, who invented it? So it's only fair I give you the chance to respond to the same question. So who should get the credit? Well, you know, Anthony can say whatever he wants, you know, and I love Anthony and he's a great dinner companion and he's a wonderful art person and he's great to choose wine, but he didn't invent anything, dude. I am the godfather <laughs> and you can go search this shit. I'm the one that created. He can ride my coattails all he wants. You know, he's wonderful. And he can make all the money off of it he wants. That's fantastic. 
Now, I can't remember when we did this. He and I were joking about this stuff. And, it, you know, how important is this in the world right now, by the way? But space as a service is a brilliant way to way to frame things out. He and Drawer are doing some fantastic things, but I, li well, I love Drawer. Um, but space is, think about that concept, though, space as a service. That is brilliant. And if whoever, if someone trades, I should have trademarked that one. That would have, that would have stopped it. But I think you go back to Twitter and search that hashtag. I'm pretty sure it was me. All right. And he can say whatever he wants. It's pretty sure. hundred percent. It was, no, I'm just, I don't care. It doesn't I, really matter. I, no, like I said, I hope Anthony does a kajillion dollars with that stuff, but it is a brilliant thing. And he writes so incredibly well and is very, um, what's the word I want to use? Very thorough in his uh, thoughts and how he puts them together and all that stuff. And it's fantastic. My stuff is total shit. And I know that. So I'm totally Oh, come on. <laughs> You're come on. I have bad grammar, bad sentence structure and completely, you know, throw the elements of style out the window. And I'm proud right. of it. I think you, I think you both are, are brilliant, and um, and it's it's good fun to to see the banter and the and the and the mutual admiration. But if there's anybody listening that will go out there and, and do the, the the Google search on Twitter for the hashtag and find out and who can resolve this debate once and for you know once and for Dude, all. I'll put them on my list. How's that? <laughs> right, How important is that? <laughs> all right. So final final bits of this podcast is our quick fire round. Um, so really quick answers, really short questions. Who sure. inspires you in commercial real estate? Oh, that's easy. Every, uh, whatever term you want to use in, in the world, broker slash person that's out there every day doing deals, doing leases, doing sales, uh, letting out apartments, whatever that is, who's doing actual deals with tenants or users every day. Those are the people that inspire me. Those are the real people doing CRE every day. Excellent. Well, what podcast do you listen to? Mine. Nobody else's. I don't care about anybody else's. Where can they find that podcast? Uh, on my website, dukelong.com. Come on. There we, there we go. And do you do you have any any particular books or magazines in the industry related or not that you? Um, you know what I, uh, because I write really badly. I just really try to absorb just a lot of general business stuff. Um, I don't really drill down too much. Part of writing is reading a lot. So just whatever comes to me, and people send me some things. So not really, I don't really follow anything too specific, but I just. Like anybody else, I just absorb it. Okay. And when when we are all able to travel again, finally, where is your favorite vacation destination? Uh, two answers to that. Everybody that I talked to recently, and I don't know why, it comes up every time. It's kind of one of those things that just hits you. I have not been to Portugal for some reason, so I want to go to Portugal. Oh, you have to go. Lisbon's I, See, you said it. Everybody, oh, you got to go. Everybody I talked to, I, I haven't been there, so I want to go. And then the cliche one. I love Paris. That's so cliche. But every time I go there, I'm not bored of it. It's so ridiculous, but I love Paris so much. And I know it's right, what, two or three hours on the train from you, from where you're sitting. But I just love Paris and I can't help myself. I'll never get bored of it. I know it's the idea of Paris and all that, but I still am totally enamored with Paris. So how's that? I love, I love, I love France. Uh, it was a couple years ago. I went to France, I think six times. I love and, the way uh, they live. I don't know what they do. I don't know how they do it. It's something. It's just something. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, as, as many times as I've been, I'm still um, I struggle with with. Well, I just I can't get the accents down. And I mean, I know about 20 words in French, and but you know, just even bonjour when I go and I'll say bonjour, and uh, they'll say how, how can I help you? And I'm like, how did you know? And they're like, because you said bonjour. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I, I'm I'm definitely the big fat idiot American. I can't help it. I can't help well, it. It is no, what it it's is. good. It's good. It's good. It's I mean, it's good that you're, you're traveling around, and um, I think most most Americans. Uh, uh, they don't. Says, yeah, I've been. I bopped about the planet. That's for sure. I've bopped about the planet. Awesome. Well. Thank you so much, Duke, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, uh, always love reading your stuff, and I'm going to have to listen to all of your podcasts. Um, and well, uh, I don't, cause, cause I don't I, cuss near as much as I have on this one, that's for sure. Well, I'm not sure if that's going to tank me or if that's going to actually <laughs> spike my ratings now. So <laughs> we shall Who see. Knows? Who, knows? Term. <laughs> Who knows? You, you caught me in my house for the last two months or something. So I had a really good time. Look, you've been putting out a lot of great content. Uh, you're definitely going to fall off the list just because of this. So, uh, and I really do appreciate all the stuff that you've been putting out. You just certainly have opinions and I appreciate that agree or not agree regardless. And, uh, that's the whole point of it. And yep. cer certainly soon, I hope we meet sometime. I just haven't been to England recently. I had had intended to come to, uh, to England, I think here in May, uh, for an event. Obviously that's not going to happen. So I'm sure we'll meet sometime soon. And I appreciate you doing the podcast. Well, thank you very much, and I definitely look forward to meeting face-to-face -face in the future. And um, if it's shortly after the lockdown is, is uh, lifted, then I'm probably going to give you a big hug. All right. Well, in, <laughs> uh, in person, I'm much better looking in person. I just thought I'd bring that up. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> well, again, much appreciated. And everyone listening today, thank you very much. And until next time, take care of yourself. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And remember, fortune favors the bold. Drum roll, please. P.S. If you want to find out about future-proofing your portfolio, head over to newflex.com. You're listening to a podcast company podcast. This was made by Podcast Syndicator, where we help you go from start to grow to making money with your podcast. Let us help you share your message and your voice with the world. Reach out now, Jason at podcastsyndicator.com or Brett at podcastsyndicator.com to find out more. Thank you for listening and do come back to hear nothing but the best podcasts.